Ladies and gentlemen, we're here at the fabulous New Egg Lounge in downtown Spartanburg, South Carolina, uh, the oldest bar in town, and uh, I'm your host, Mark Rocco Dawson, and this is... Co-host Paul Topolis, I'm here again. <laughs> and today, we're stepping away from the music uh, to uh, present some poetry for everyone out there today. Yeah, we're, we're getting all literary this time for the first time this season, and uh, in, in this season of miss and mellow fruitfulness... We are excited to welcome a close bosom friend of the maturing sun. Our guest is poet Mamie Morgan. Yay. Hi, how are you all? I'm so excited to be here. Well, we're, we're excited to have you. It's, uh, it's a bit of a departure from what we've been doing so far. and uh, So we will be getting you to sing a little while. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you, you would really regret that. Now, <laughs> now remember, folks, uh, we are recording live at the New Way Lounge, so all the ambient noise you hear in the background is... Uh, you know, it's it's here. It's, it's, what, it's, it's what we're doing. folks having a great time at the oldest bar in Spartanburg. Come get a burger, come get a drink, and have a good time. Absolutely. So, uh, Mamie, it's really great to have you here. Thank um, you. Glad to be here. First of all, um, you come from Spartanburg originally, oh, yeah? yeah? And yes. So you, were, you, you grew up here, you were schooled here? Yeah, so, yeah, I was, um, my dad was a professor for 52 years at Converse. And my mom's a concert pianist who worked at Converse as well. So I was raised here, and then um, I, I started working at what is now Delaney's when I was 15. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, that's is that when it was Rockers? It was when it was Rockers. I started uh, the summer after my 10th grade year just for the summer, and then I stayed seven years because I ended up going to Wofford College. I got a, um, I got a scholarship there. So I stayed until yeah. after college. What, what did you study at Wofford? I studied um, two really pragmatic things, religious studies and poetry. Um, okay. So, so. It, it, that's interesting. In, uh, in uh, my field, art and design, yeah. um, we often find that people who've gone through the art and design schooling and, and got their degrees go on to do something completely different and never never follow a career Absolutely. Huh. so so this so is true <laughs> i did i did get to, that is true i um i i went on to get a, a uh, an mfa in poetry as as well and and then i became a teacher and i used to always say to kids like do not pay to get a degree in like learning how to rhyme you know or yeah. whatever but to be fair i did go on to to at least do the damn thing. So, so uh, religious studies was your other uh, yeah. your other subject. That was, was, that your, was, that, was that a minor? Um, was I, that was a major? Major. Okay. I was a double major. But um, I just enjoyed reading and thinking about organized religion as, yeah. you know, I just thought that was yeah. Uh, so, uh, your family are they are they religious? Is that what made you interested in that, or is it the opposite? Is it? The it was weird. I, I I grew up vaguely Presbyterian. My my home church is across the, tr- right across the street. street. Yeah. But um, no, I think I came at it from a pretty secular uh, perspective. I just enjoyed really fleshing out and studying. I, I I had intended to go to seminary to become a religion professor. Right. And then sort of. Did the you know equally monetarily um, strong thing to become a poet you know instead? Uh, so yeah, but yeah. Let me interject that question. Uh, what got you into writing? What what? How young were you? And and uh, what what prompted that uh, decision? Yeah. So I, I was pretty. I was eleven or twelve. Well, I guess twelve. But my the beginnings are sort of similar to a lot of people who take up writing songs or or, or reading poetry. Is like. 
you know, I had suffered some loss and trauma and I was in middle school and I thought that no one else in the free world, you know, had ever been through anything. And so it was yeah. that kind of um, thing on the one hand. But on the other hand, my, my father and I were very close and he was terrifically shy in some ways. And so was I. And he was really into music and poetry. And so we communicated through, like, Nina Simone, through poems. Oh, through, yeah. Like, he was very that was an easier way for us to communicate and yeah. so that's another reason that I think I really got into it so music has been part yeah. of your your journey hugely. into poetry yeah hugely yeah continues to be yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Have, have you ever uh, j- oh, just jumping forward a little bit yeah. but have you ever put any of your words to music is that something that interests you or is- I haven't um, I was a cellist for a number of years and so I you know I have a familiarity with music but um, my cousin is a composer. Uh, he lives in Tennessee now. Right. He's put a couple of my poems to music, right. which is a really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a it's a more fleshly experience when you're me and you're used to like writing and seeing it in like a two dimensional yeah. way. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. And is it interesting somebody else putting the music to your your words? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I um. You know, I think about like sometimes when you're writing and and you're a writer, it's it's almost like you have one dog in the fight. And when you're when you're putting musicality, when you're putting chords to something that is written, you you have all these fists, you know. Yeah. And so it, it um, well, it, yeah, you can be free to a certain extent. Yeah. Because yeah. you have meter and you've got the tone. You have to worry about. You can't. I mean, and you have all that in poetry too. Yeah. But sometimes the phonetics change. Yeah, and, and just, the words change because of that. Or even just like the collaborative nature of instruments to lyrics, you yeah. know, or you know, that feels that feels really like exciting to me, but it's not something I've worked with. I'm a pretty yeah. private well, I believe, you know, writer. I think words are f- more freeing than than the music on the paper because sure. you don't have to stick with that on the paper, you totally. know. Uh, you can you could free speak yeah, and, absolutely. And, and not have any kind of constraints. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a lot. When I'm revising a rough draft, if I'm saying it out loud, um, it's really easy to, like, change my mind verbally. Like, because like, I'll say it out loud and go, that, I, that actually is not what I want to do. The, the, sim- the similarities are, 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 are there, and you can see them plainly, but the intricacies between the two, are the, the subtleties are very unique in, in how they operate with one another. Sure, it's, sure, it's, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Do, um, when you're writing, how... How, how what's, your, what's your process? How does it get to the page? I, I've um, when I've when I've been writing songs, I, I've often yeah. laboured over something for hours, days, months, or even years in some cases, and then completely torn it up and started again. And then yeah. you know, find the a, a more honest way of writing is what comes naturally and comes straight out, and Absolutely. and that stays on the page. Is that something that you've experienced? Yeah, as well? I mean, I think I was I was raised in in. I was I was around a lot of older male writers when I was young and writing, and, and a lot of that tradition was, you know, you you need to like be in the seat at 5 a.m. It needs to be really difficult, and you know, for it to be meaningful, etc. I I kind of where I disagree with that is like if it's not really fun, at least a, an aspect of it, I know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do it, you know. Yeah. And so for me, it's like when I write, I write terrifically quickly like a rough draft will happen pretty easily and if it's really laborious and and it's like it's like gnashing teeth then I know it's probably not working um and so then I I try to take one part from that and try a new thing 
I, uh, uh, I referenced Keats, of course, at the uh, at the top of the show there. Yeah. Uh, one of my favourite romantic poets. Yeah. Um, so Ode to Autumn was written um, this time of year, walking yeah. through the beautiful Hampshire countryside. This is a Keats tattoo. Uh, right. That's uh, <laughs> Ode to a Grecian Earth. Yeah, yes. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There we go. Um, I, do you find that uh, your surroundings influence you to write uh, and is that the, the, the motivation or, yeah. or what, what, what spurs you on what, what gets something going yeah absolutely um, I'm, a, I'm a really um, I'm an associative think- oh, wait, to, 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 how do I say this like in thinking of music I, I was talking to a friend the other day and I was like I just love a good cover like I love a good cover and I'm obsessed with them you know and, and they're like what about it if, if it's musically stellar if it's, and I'm like no I just like the layering of some, someone interpreting someone someone else, right? So, something like a Jimi Hendrix along the Watchtower, who, who can make it their own song. Yeah, like I, I, was, I, I was at a Sturgill Simpson show one time, and he started playing the song, and I had no I was like, who is, what is this? I know this. And it was a Rihanna song. And I just remember thinking the wide berth between Rihanna and Sturgill Simpson, right? And so I guess for me, it's like when I, when I have two things that are interesting to me for some reason, but they don't seem to necessarily obviously connect, I like to start there and try to layer, like how am I gonna get from one thing to another um, is what's interesting to me. So definitely like in new, in new space, obviously for everyone, it's easier to be um, awake to your surroundings because just just by virtue of being in a new or different place I guess so yeah yeah well now you are a published poet right yeah yeah I I have two books they're my first two books but they're coming out in February and March okay so a month apart so I've published a lot in journals etc but these will be my first books first first real um, I mean, are they going out digitally, or are they hard copies coming hard out? Hard copies, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Barnes and Nobles and stuff like that? Yep, Amazon, local indie bookstores, all that. Who's publishing it? So, two different presses. It, it it was not my dream to have two books coming out in the same month. Um, so that's either going to be amazing or, or crash and burn. But um, one press uh, is, I have a collection called Everyone I've Danced With Is Dead, which is actually a lot about music. But um, it's coming out from a press called Jackleg. And then I have another book, which is about my husband learning to draw at the age of 45, um, from a press called Finishing Line Press. So, so uh, Jack Legg, they're a non-profit, is that? Is yeah, that and they're, they're a wonderful small yeah. press. Yeah, now, yeah. this will be digital too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, you can find it digitally but, and hard copy as well. So, I'm excited. And uh, okay, so so have you been writing constantly since the age of eleven, or or again? No. no? Uh, Did you took some time off or something? Well, I um, oh gosh, I would never. I would say that consistency. In some ways, I'm an I'm an extremely like consistent person, but my writing tends to come like if I'm writing something I love, I'm gonna write it really quickly. So the book I wrote about my husband, I wrote in five weeks. Um, but then I might go two or three months without writing at all. And I used to really beat myself up about that. Uh, um, but then I, one of my friends, Mike McGriff, who's a poet as well, he once said, he was like, oh, I never, I never um, beat myself up for not writing. I might, I might beat myself up for not reading, you know, or for not listening to music or for not doing, like, a, you know, absorbing art. For not trying to find the muse. Yeah, but I, he's like, but I don't beat myself up for not making it necessarily. And, and I've finally arrived like at a place where I, I don't think I'm too hard on myself but I will write 
three or four months a year and then take a little time off. So <clears throat> your your second book, my husband is learning like, to draw. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I was reading that you you uh, came about that from at the start of COVID. Is that right? You, yeah, yeah. We, we were all thrown together in these little bubbles. Yeah, and, yeah. And all kind of strange things happened, and uh, you know, yeah, uh, uh, in my life as well. Obviously, that influenced you. And um, what yeah. what was it that that made you put pen to paper on that book and how yeah and, and what was it that made your husband realize he learned, wanted to learn yeah, to draw? yeah so okay so we have very different backgrounds he comes from a um a military uh, a military background and you know my background is is just steeped in the arts like it wasn't weird to become an artist everyone I knew, you know and he had never drawn and he was um he was a green beret multiple tour green beret well there's a certain ritual to religious studies too <laughs> yeah absolutely so, so, yeah. so i can see the similarities and why you two would be drawn to each other so he um so he was military and um he works with tourniquets that's what he does for a living and he's um he's neurodivergent he's he was at the, at the start of COVID, he was also diagnosed with bipolar two. So we were dealing with all of this stuff. And um, when he goes through a phase, he goes through a phase really yeah. hard, yeah. right? And um, so he just started watching YouTube, uh, you know, videos on how to draw and, and reading a lot. And what was interesting is I, I've said this a lot before, but I never thought I would write about him. Uh, there's something in our relationship that is when I what I typically want to write about is something that where there's a lack where there's like a mystery and yeah. I'm trying to chase down some sort of information and with him for better or worse I'm like ah, we know everything about each other like you know it's not um, and so when he began drawing something about witnessing him do this new thing was like really exciting well, that, that was your mystery yeah exactly yeah. and it was it's also a little heartbreaking like to have you know to be with a 45 year old man who you love dearly who's like oh i never i've never drawn a picture before i mean truly you're you're, do you're documenting you're documenting the journey by verse this is what you're doing yeah so we were sort of tandem he was making something and then i was sort of it felt like a cheap shot in some ways from on my end because i'm like this is so easy to write about because i'm watching you uh, I, I make this other thing i wouldn't suspect it would be because you have to interpret the feelings that he's having as well yeah yeah and i and yeah. And I guess that the reason you could probably do that and it feels easy is because you share love with one another. But yeah, from yeah. an outsider's point of view, it, to me, it seems like it would be extremely difficult to yeah. try and interpret that. But Yeah, I think it's like when any um, when someone you love and you're like, I know them like I know the back of my hand. And then they surprise you and that yeah. flicks a switch differently. Um, so that was super fun. And that was probably, he started drawing in November of, of 2021. Um and I think I wrote that book in like December or January. I, I mean, pretty like, pretty fluidly. I, I think that's that, that's great. I mean, it's a really really nice story that he was inspired to do something for himself, and that in turn inspired you to to yeah. write your book. I mean, that, yeah, that, it's it's the ripple in the pond thing. Yeah, yeah totally, and, absolutely. And, and the art, the art. Um, we we talked about your your new uh, ode to a Grecian urn tattoo there. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're documenting poetry and tattoos as well. Is that is that yeah. what's happening here? And my husband draws them all. Right. Uh, so okay. um, yeah. So I. So my father hated tattoos. So he would he would not enjoy this. But oh, right. I. Um, <laughs> no no no. But they're all like dedicated to. Um, they started out as being poetry tattoos dedicated to my father. Yeah. Um, poems that he loved. So he loved Odin Christian Urn. Yeah. He loved. Yeah. Um, anyway, 
And so my husband draws the tattoos, and um, and my mother's like, "Oh wait, so there are going to be more of them, you know?" And I'm like, "Yeah, there are going to be more of them." Sorry. We uh, we have the same uh, from Erica's mother. <laughs> oh yeah, they're like, what, what? what? possibly You've got else? Another one? Yeah. Why exactly. have you got a picture of Erica on your arm? Yeah, exactly. So so that's been that's been really fun. Yeah. It's a fun project. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah it is, and it's very personal as well because that's his interpretation of. Uh, the poem and what it means yeah. and and it's also his a, a, a testament of his current well his journey his, as well yeah, journey, absolutely yeah. and i think i mean y'all are you know to that to that end um like i'm a huge music person and i'm a huge art person and i always thought like i don't know if i'll ever get married or settle down but i mean at the very least i don't really have a type but at the very least they're going to be a huge music person and a huge art person and i married the most cerebral person who had like never been exposed to art never and so what's been interesting is is um the ta- the tattoo stuff and, and and the drawings as they relate to poetry it that's given us a vehicle like in which to learn how to talk about art together because you would think it would be organic and super easy but if you're a middle-aged man who's never been exposed to that it's it's not actually you know yeah. Yeah. well I, you know <laughs> The military is not as staunch as it used to be. Sure. And it really wasn't that staunch to begin with because there's a certain art to it. Oh, yeah. There, there's an art to the, the the coordination of it all. Sure, absolutely. Uh, moving large sums of people and, and equipment, that takes a certain art. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't know what kind of art that would be, but, but, but I, I would say that... A lot of intricacy. Uh, intricacy is art to me. To I your think. to your point, um, uh, my husband is very A type and very um, like performance driven, very success driven. And so, what's what's sort of maddening and hilarious is that you, he will start to learn something from a level that you might have started learning at six years old, and then two days later he'll know more than you. So, for example. There are so many musicians he's never heard of, right? Like, yeah. like he had never heard of Janis Joplin until the pandemic. This is a true story. Oh, wow. And so, you know, one day he's like, you know this Janis Joplin? And I'm like, I do. We all do. We all, you know. But then 72 hours later, because of his work ethic, he's read more and listened to more Janis Joplin. Do you know I, Ark Rum drew her album cover? You know, mm-hmm. giving you all these facts about her. Is that what he's doing and stuff? I mean, it, it, and he knows more than I've ever, you know, and I'm like, so I make fun of him, and I mean, in a in a funny way, where I'm like, "You drive me crazy because you you will discover something that I've been listening to or watching my whole life and know more about it next well, Tuesday." You said he was a, yeah, yeah. You said he was a green beret, right? He was a green beret. Yeah. Oh well, deep, deep <laughs> dives do not. I mean, I, I that to be a green beret, you you have to dive into everything you do to make sure you stay alive and keep your other buddies alive. Absolutely. So that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, he's looking forward. He's engineer brain. He's looking forward. He's looking around at all. Yeah. Times. Yeah. That's awesome. Now, when were you first published? Uh, what was yeah. it like Maggie's drawers or something like that? Oh gosh, yes. When I was a kid, I didn't even remember <laughs> that. But yeah, when I was when I was little, I mean, in middle school and, and think. Will you tell people what Maggie's Drawers is real fast? So I hardly remember, to be perfectly honest. But when I was in, when I was in middle school, I was a terrible student. Um, and I, I, I mean, by my likes, I wasn't much good at anything. But I, but I had, you know, some English teachers who were really nice to me about my poetry. And mm-hmm. so 
they would ask me to submit to like Maggie Storrs was a journal or the Scholastic Journal. It's for 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 school kids. Yeah, mainly. for school kids. Yeah. and um, it made me feel really good about myself when when I was uh, you know failing government class or I was doing this, but but people were nice enough to publish my my poems. And so that would have probably been the first published poem. Yeah, absolutely. Maggie's Doors. And that, that usually ranges from, I think, what, like uh, sixth grade or fifth grade or something around like there? middle school. Up to a high school. Yeah. But, but yeah, you didn't, absolutely. you didn't like reading your poetry, is that right? You you, I, you said that you not you think you're not a great public speaker and oh, no, or performance artist. No, I'm terrible. And has that not changed uh, with, with being published and having some, you know, some modicum of success? I think, you know, I was a high school teacher for fi- for almost 15 years. Oh, yeah? Where at? At the governor's school in Greenville. Okay. And that got me, you know, I was in front of, I mean, you know, children are really tough critics. And I was in front of them all day, every day. And so that, I, I don't know, I think there's a part of me that presents as, as extroverted, but I'm actually terrifically shy. And so something about sharing my work in front of people, um has always been pretty difficult. I think you've just identified what uh, all performers, including myself and probably Mark as well, feel, is that, uh, you know, I'm going to stand here and I'm really not very good at this and I'm going to try and make it sound as good as possible and I'm going to smile a lot and inside I'm actually scared. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out there and kill it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you know, there are days, you know, to your point, what's interesting is um, because these books are coming out, I'm going to have to do a lot of readings, you know. Yep, and, and we're going to get you to do... We're going to get you to try and recite a couple for us. Oh, I'll read some. Yeah. Okay, cool, because we want about three or four poems here. Yeah, we I'll do. Totally we we, we want to hear some of your uh, your amazing work. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are recording live at the New Way Lounge, the oldest bar in Spartanburg. 1937. 1937. Or and eight. Well, one, or one eight. of the two. Well, it, it, we don't need to dispute it. No. <laughs> it's still here. It's still, uh, that, that's old. This is where you come when there's a hurricane. <laughs> no, this is not a... <laughs> this place is still standing. <laughs> I, would, I would not come here to Gosh. that hurricane. Wow. Uh, yeah, um, it, it used to be called Lloyd's, and, and the part we're in right now is the original bar. That, that is the add-on over on the other side. You know, my, my experience at, when I was a kid, um, I, my childhood best friend, her father is Paul Riddle. Oh, yeah. Of the Marshall Command, and so... And her babysitter was a bartender here. And so when I was a child, if, if she was babysitting and had to come into work, we would sit in the, in this room. So I was like the kid in the bar yeah. who shouldn't be in the bar. Well, now, have you have you always lived in Spartanburg, or have you yeah. have you, you always lived well, in Spartanburg? Well, I live in Greenville now, but I lived in Spartanburg my whole life, and so this is like my childhood. We, we won't hold that against you. People no. in Greenville, <laughs> uh, if you are out there and, and in Greenville and listening to us, please, you are more than welcome. And uh, Yeah, we'd love to have some Greenville guys here on the podcast, yeah. but, uh, you know, yeah. we can't travel up there. They have to come here. You've even been as far as France, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 we no, traveled. So, uh, you uh, love to travel. This is yeah, this uh, is true. Yeah. Something that we share. Yeah. Um, as you know, Eric and I love to travel, and we, yeah. we we've done a lot of it. And uh, I see that you were in France uh, Recently, a couple of weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, absolutely. Where, where, whereabouts did you go? So uh, we went. So we, my husband and I, before I met my husband, I was you know a waitress slash high school teacher and. Yeah traveling to me meant you know going to Asheville for eight hours and so um we've been able to travel a lot and we decided to go to France about for for a few weeks and we started in the south of France I mean it's, it sounds so like bougie we sounded in the we started in the south of France and we ended up in Paris um yeah. and 
Yeah, so we try. I'm always planning a trip, even if it's a trip we never will so, be able so to So, so what was your starting point? So we flew into Nice, and then we right. went to. Um, I'm going to practice saying this because it might be in a poem that I'm going to read. Okay. I always butcher this word, but um, it's a town. In a, it's a fishing village called Cocorin, and um, in the south of France. And then we went to Saint Remy, and then uh, outside Bordeaux. And, oh, and is so it you, so, sorry, Mark. You, yeah. tra- you traveled up the center of the country. Yeah, so yeah that's we, what I was. We went ask. like south, and then we went up. We went far west and then went back to paris and so the heart of france yeah we tried to do sort of a lot of it and what you know it it costs a lot to fly over there so when you get over yeah. there you want to you yeah, do as much as you it, can yeah, yeah absolutely. you know i i looked into i was going to go to italy my my sister has a little apartment over there on lake oh. como and Beautiful. whoa yeah Beautiful. You know, she's she's sells all kinds of stuff you know like a, a realtor kind of yeah. thing but um and i was going to take a boat over to to like uh, uh, France, cruise from the U.S. to France. Yeah, and yeah, and then then come to Britain and see those guys, and then go on to Italy on the bullet train. Sounds like a plan. And it was going to cost me about seven hundred dollars less to do all that. Whoa! See, that's the thing. I think what I love about um, planning trips and stuff is like being scrappy and creative, which is like mm-hmm. why. We yeah. like to do all the yeah. other things we I, like yeah. to do. You know? I, I hate planes. Yeah. I, I really don't like I planes. Do too. Well, let, let me tell any, anybody who's listening uh, in the US, if you are wanting to travel to Europe, travel to Europe, get your ticket to a major city, go to London or to Paris, because once you are there, booking travel to other countries in Europe is incredibly cheap. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you can fly from London to Italy for £60 which is about $80. Yeah. Um, Train's know. even cheaper than yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, that's the way to do it. And, uh, you know, do, do, do that yourself. Don't book a package because <clears throat> you, yeah. you will be uh, far better off. Yeah. So, so did, uh, did, uh, any, uh, thing, uh, did any of the um, uh, moments in France sp- spur some uh, new yeah. creativity in the Yeah, I wrote the, I, I wrote the whole, I mean, I wrote, um, most of the time we were there, obviously I, I was sure. tr- enjoying myself, but, um, but yeah, there, I mean, it's just, it, there's, there, there's so much newness, um, and vitality being thrown at you that, you know, you, I like would journal and I would collect things and then go and write. Is this going to be a new book? Maybe. I hope so. I don't know. I, I think sometimes I don't know if something's going to be a book or just something it, that you want to keep for yourself. It's like until I find a thread. I'm like, maybe this is just a couple of poems. And then once I find a thread, I immediately, like when I was writing about my husband, it was like, I knew it was a book, you know? Did you find that your, um, uh, your influence and, uh, you know, what were you, let me start again. Did you find that what you were looking at uh, influenced you in different ways the more you traveled from the south and you traveled then northwest to whereabouts on the west coast did you go we were in a little town um near bordeaux near bordeaux okay yeah. so you so you traveled northwest and then you traveled back northeast again now yeah. um if you know the history of france and the geography of france france you'll know that 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 covers various old kingdoms yeah uh, and the people oh, yeah. are very very different and did you find that what was influencing you on that journey changed changed absolutely i mean it felt um every part of france felt decidedly different and decidedly you know from geogra- geographically and also culturally and um so it was like with each leg i, I got new charged charged your aura in a different in way in a very yeah. different way we stayed at um we stayed in this little um not little but we stayed in this chateau that only had 20 rooms and um so i had to not i had to 
I felt like it was very easy to eavesdrop. You know, like I felt like I was sort of witnessing other people's like relationships. This, this American wedding was descending into this place where we were yeah. staying. And, I, you know, and it's funny because I, whenever my husband and I are out to lunch or dinner or whatever, and someone at another table is on their phone, I'm always, you know, like they shouldn't be on their phone in a restaurant. But what I was doing felt just as bad, which is he would try to say something and I'm going, shh, I'm listening to this table next to me, you know, or or whatever, or just listening to people around me and trying to observe um, and take notes. I mean, that's really fun for me. Now, Bordeaux, that, that's, uh, that's where the wine comes from, right? Yeah, we, we drank some of that. And how, 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 <laughs> how, how long do you think they've been making that there, the Bordeaux? Bordeaux, uh, they've been making wine in Bordeaux, I would say, for about... Uh, 900 years, uh, more than that? Probably more than that, Get, getting on for getting on for 2,000 years. I mean, you, yeah. know, you, you, have, to, you have to remember that the... Uh, the Romans came with their wine uh, from Italy, um, but doubtless it was already being produced in France and other countries yeah. as well. And uh, but but yeah, I mean Bordeaux, uh, because of its lush greenery, uh, the climate, uh, the terroir, the uh, you know the, the whole landscape uh, just suits itself to wine growing. And yeah, it was it was it was beautiful. And 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 to reiterate, I just I felt like every part of of France felt so different from the other and so that was yeah. that was wonderful yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, i have a title for your new book oh yeah yeah, yeah. so this is uh, this is your eavesdropping okay this is uh, l'oreille indiscrète oh my gosh i don't even know what that means that it's the it, it basically translates as the you're the eavesdropper indis- the indiscreet <laughs> ah. lis- the indiscreet listener uh, you know the only like i love that title and the only problem with it is that i'll have to learn better french oh that's a I'm gonna take a picture. May I take a picture of that? Um, I my French will have to be so much, so much better. Um, yeah. So I'll leave this out. So let me ask you. Um, when when you're when you're going through a dry spell, right? Yeah, they're all, they're often. What? <laughs> what? Well, I understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? What kind of pulls you out of that? What is? Is there is there something that always that you, 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 is there something that is always there, but is hiding from you, but eventually shows itself? Is it the yeah. same thing, or is it always something different? There, the thing that is the same is that it always feels like once, it's like pulling a, th- like when you have a threadbare on your shirt or whatever, and you pull it, and it, you know, it all. It's like when I'm not writing, when I find something that I want to write about, it, it's like pulling a thread, and, and then I begin to see how I can... You have to see where it ends. Yeah, so I'll have a lot of... I'll, I, I write on my notes app so, sometimes, so and, um, and things will just begin presenting themselves. Inspiration just comes from anywhere or any time, yeah. is that what you're saying? Yeah. When it rains, it pours, okay. but... Um, do, do you then kick yourself? For, uh, I, I, for, yeah, because I'll, I'll do it. You know, I've, I've produced nothing constructive. I've, I've done a, a week sitting at my desk, and I've, I've created nothing. Uh, I've I've spent a week uh, whilst not at my desk because I can't create anything, playing my guitar and done absolutely nothing. Can't even play a note, and then suddenly it comes, yeah. And then you think, wow, God, you idiot! It was there all the time. All the time, it was yeah, in yeah, there yeah. And yeah, I'll do that, or or, or I'll, I'll think of like uh, sometimes I know what I want to handle, I just don't know how to handle it. Like yeah. so, I'll know the material, um, and often music is really helpful. Like I'll, I I don't. I will listen to something 
and I'll go. I kind of like the door slam. Um, I I will. I won't want to steal a line. I will think more like, I want to do whatever that person just did. Yeah. But with my own material. Yeah. And it can be really. Um, like there's so one of my best buddies loves Steely Dan. He's like a Steely Dan oh, freak. Yes, yes. And and we traveled together this summer and he was talking about the song Showbiz Kids. Hmm. And there's this line in the song where Steely Dan is making fun of their like it is it's the LA culture of, of yeah, show yeah, business. Like they're they're yeah, making fun yeah. of the sort of wealthy fandom. Yeah. Yacht and it, rock. Yeah, and it, and it and so a line in the Steely Dan song is, Yeah, they've got the They've got the Steely Dan T-shirts, yes. you know, yeah. and um, and so then as a it, it's the, as the Coupe de Gras, they've got the Steely so, Dan yeah, T-shirt. Yeah, it's like the yeah. best line ever. Yeah. And and so I want to like I want to do the same thing in poetry. Like I'm like, how do you reference the thing you're doing? You know, like so I'll try to to steal kind of modality or how yeah. someone like what someone's doing. And then utilize it with my own material. That's that tends to be really helpful. Well, everybody knows what a Steely Dan is, don't they? Uh, yes. I don't. I don't you know don't if know. I do. Do we? <laughs> Am I embarrassing myself? Well, well no. You. I don't know. It's, it's the same thing you're thinking. Oh no, I know exactly what it is. Yeah, Queen Victoria introduced us to all of that kind of nonsense. Uh, a Steely Dan is a. Um, um, a, a male protuberance. A st- oh, I did. It is a. <laughs> oh my god, this it is, is a rudimentary steam-powered male protuberance. Yeah. Uh, okay, now I do. The, <sighs> what you don't know is about to happen is that when we're done with this podcast, I'm going to get in my car and text my friend Jake and be like, "You've been telling me everything about Steely Dan except for the the very thing I need to know. <laughs> you know, the very 101." Well, thank you. I feel. <laughs> I feel embarrassed, I but felt, smarter. I felt obligated. <laughs> I thank you. No, I need to know. I learn something new every time I come to the new way. So there we go. Uh, and usually, usually you, it I makes think. other things go out of my head. But yes. I, you know. yeah, but it's exactly both. It's not always the knowledge that does that, though, is it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're yeah we're here at the New Way Lounge downtown Spartanburg, South Carolina, home of the Redneck Cheeseburger. It's been featured in a couple of uh, foodie foodie magazines and stuff like that. Yeehaw, yes it has. Uh, we're here with uh, Paul Topless, and I'm your host, Mark Rocco Dawson, and we're here with. I'm gonna say your name again because I don't want to mispronounce it. Mamie Morgan. Yeah. <laughs> so so I had a question. Yeah. My, uh, my mother-in-law is. I'm I'm gonna say this, and she'll hate me for it. She does listen to the podcast. She's old South. She's mm-hmm. very southern cultured. Okay, yeah. Uh, she tried to explain to me where Mamie might have come from. Yeah. Is that your given actual name. name, your given name, or is it a, a name you've a assumed? It's a nickname, yeah. but it is... Um, e- even uh, saying given name sounds really so- southern. It is... Um, well, we can't say... We can't say Christian name and surname anymore. Uh, yeah, we have so to say, uh, what's your good name so and your given name? Yeah, know? so my... Um, my real name is Mary Frances. She was and, right. It's Mary. Uh, yeah. So it's so it's short for Mary. Basically, when I was um, when my mom was going to have me, uh, my father was pretty insistent that they name me after someone on my father's side. And I'm going to say this very nice as nicely as I. My mom. That was going to be difficult for my mom, but she loved this one great aunt that my dad had, right. who was named Mary Stevens, and she went by Mamie, and she lived to be, you know, like 700 years old, and she loved a dirty joke, <laughs> and she was like, 
<laughs> great. And so that's why she lived so long. Yeah, exactly. She loved life. She exactly. loved. She loved the living. She, it's so true. she knew what a steely dam was. Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> I know. She's somewhere in her grave, going Mamie dearly. Um, but she uh, she was wonderful. So most of the Mamies I meet are like ninety five years old. You know. It's a sort of... Betsy Jones, you get 100% in the where did that name come from <laughs> test. Thank you, Erica's mom. <laughs> um, so nice. But yes, absolutely. So uh, would you uh, be ever so kind and read us a poem? Yeah, absolutely. I will, um, I'll read a couple. I, I thought... Well, I'd, I'd like to, for you to read one, then, we, then I'd like to talk about it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because um, we're almost done with the interview. Yeah. Uh, uh, we're, if we were doing the music part, we would have somebody sitting up playing guitar right now. No, yeah, absolutely. And let's, do you have any more questions on the... On no, the, I mean, I, I feel that we could we could probably talk all I know, I know we could. Oh, thank you. That's well, so nice. we, we, we usually keep these podcasts to about 40 minutes. Sounds great. Uh, and just because when people are on the go, they might be traveling for lunch and stuff. And I, I have a absolutely. lot of people tell me they listen to this while they're working and stuff like that. Of so course. I, we keep um, them short for that. I, I printed out some new ones, but I might read... Um, I might read the first the the opening poem of um one of the books coming out not the one about my husband but um what's the name of that again so i wrote a uh, the sort of bigger book is called everyone i've danced with is dead and And it'll be out when it'll be out march 15th what what was the very briefly what was the influence for that book and the title in particular it's an interesting title so the title actually came so i was writing a lot i mean this is going to sound like a real good time but i was writing a lot about um my friends died I had a lot of friends die when I was young and just people I knew who died and um but my I was watching Downton Abbey like 10 years after everybody else and um there's a line where Lady Mary all of the suitors she keeps oh wow thank you um all the suitors she keeps meeting keep dying you know right and so she she says something like everyone I've danced with is dead or whatever and I'm like, oh, that's actually, like, that should be the title of, of almost every poem I'm writing right now, you know. <laughs> um, and so it became the title of, of the book. And so this is just the opening. Um, and a lot of the poems within the book are called Everyone I've Danced With Is Dead. So uh, do you mind if I just go no, right just, in? just do your thing. Um, Everyone I've Danced With Is Dead. B, B is after my former student who passed away named Brian. B's failing poetry, but he's a nice boy. Lives in his leather bomber, loves AP bio, is cool to no one. When he leans against the hand-me-down Ikea chaise in my office, says, it feels like a valley, or a valley everywhere. I make him a copy of some Simic poem about Euclid and chickens and light-dressed women carrying parasols. And Saturday morning before they find him, I dress in a black gown with cutouts, careful to keep the tags intact for a pageant I've entered at some Baptist church. My dad carries a sickness so small in his Merkel cells, we haven't even met it yet. Everything's a joke. For weeks, my boyfriend Josh and I practice our show walk up and down the carport, smoking ladylike the both of us over a trill of my school-issued iPads, toddlers, and tiaras. Josh's casual walk is killer. It's 2013. I don't remember anything else that whole year. I hear Josh is a welder now and has like a hundred babies. 
I bet he's burned so many things back together. Okay. That's that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank tell us a little bit why the, um, how that poem came about. Yeah, so, um, so, yeah, I, okay, so I think, um, when I write that, I mean, the literal thing is I was, I was, as a joke, it, this is 10 years ago, I was, I was gonna enter a beauty pageant, like, uh, like, ironically, as an undercover, I was gonna write some fun, cool essay about what beauty pageant, I don't, I don't know, um, and so the morning I was gonna go to the pageant, my student, I, I, I had, I, had died by suicide and so I was thinking about that mm. the tension between something being really f- like you're being so tongue-in-cheek and something being funny and then something like this happening and um there's and a I, duality there yeah and I feel like my whole life is just like is earth historically has been dealing with something terrible and trying to make it sort of tongue-in-cheek or fun or like whatever um and trying so so the line about my my ex-boyfriend who's a welder like saying I bet he's burned so many things back together this idea of like soldering like two two very tonally different things together is kind of just what I do as a that's kind of how I make art in general and so that seemed like the right so putting two uh, broken or damaged things back together and making something that's good out of them yeah making something and and not not even something that could be welded <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. but but at least on the page it can be right yeah. like so oh, in, the yeah. page, in the page it's a part of the same thing even though it might not you know and so that's just that's kind of it's, what's it's fun for me qu- I guess. quantum poetry yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely so yeah so so what was the name of that poem again it's called everyone i've danced with is dead it's the same as the title of the book okay so well, easy could to you remember. could you give us another yeah absolutely i um trying to think of um i'll do i guess in keeping i'll do the opening poem from the book about my husband okay that will be great yeah yeah thank you i um and we're going to get you to do at least one more after that well thank you i'll try to be well we usually try to get people to do four four installments okay so if you could do that we'd be great okay and And, i'll try to be and then we'll uh i'll try to be fast we'll put a flag in the podcast (laughs) um all right so here we go i um I used to make fun of people who read poems off of their no. phone, but it feels we more... We had this discussion a while ago about being a half-assed uh, musical performer reading from an iPad. But it's like, I don't know, it's, uh, it's I, easier. I hated it. I hated it. I, I hated it. Too. Then I got to the point where I couldn't remember words anymore, and I actually needed those prompts I, to remind listen. me. And it could be songs I've written. And it wastes, it wastes less paper. I mean, all of it. Yep. If it were up to me, I would always be on like a yellow legal pad. But um, so... Yes, yeah, so this is the opening poem from the book about my husband, and it's, um, it's called My Husband is Learning to Draw a Leather Jacket. Well, those are tough. <laughs> you, you wouldn't believe yeah. how tough drawing a leather, leather jacket is. It's so, not easy. He, he doesn't think so either. Um, my husband is learning to draw a leather jacket from an expat on YouTube living in Yokohama with her family. He copies Van Gogh's wheat stacks, his chickens, pins single words suspended in the midair of printer paper, then scrawls angry cumulus clouds over top to make them disappear. I like to imagine what those words might have been. Engine, sanctuary, dazzling reinforcement. He never draws bombs or helicopters, severed limbs or faces. So when he makes me into a picture 
I'm looking away toward a mosaic of lakes, holding my dead father's hand. He draws proverbs, eyeglasses, the train station and two beers from that Hemingway story. When we fly, we tuck my husband's hands into the seatbelt so he doesn't accidentally punch a passenger in his sleep. My husband will do anything to leave the world and anything to remain inside of it. Just last week, our neighbor meant to drive his wife to Thursday's bingo at church, but something in his brain went wonks and they ended up in an Orlando CVS parking lot, my sister's favorite city from this world. My husband is ashamed of his penmanship, so sometimes I find him writing, what on earth is going on, in cursive over and over. I don't like to imagine the pamphlet of soldiers who take pleasure in war, though we know they exist. What my sister loves about Orlando is her one week in it years ago, time buoyed on a hammock, the hotel pool water dyed gem mine purple. purple. So much sand trafficked in that no sadness could infiltrate her. I never asked our dad if he missed being able to walk. And when my husband draws bridges, they're built of small cross-hatching strikes. When I ask where they're headed, he says nowhere, like it's obvious, kind of beaming. So that's that one. I've noticed that you're... you're Thank you. Now, when you were when you were younger, did you did you um, you know do haikus and stuff like that or? Um, no, I I wrote really long poems. So more more uh, when I was younger, to a fault. More like um, insightful uh, insightful uh, musings of the moment. Yeah, yeah, totally. But I think I I was pretty I was a lot more long winded when I was younger. Because I I've, <laughs> I've noticed I've noticed that that your 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 poetry is. Uh, is more telling than it is rhyme. Yeah, I don't. I don't rhyme that all. I mean, I, I like to do some internal rhyme and sonic, like, like fabric stuff. But I don't tend to straight up rhyme. You, you, you're never drawn into iambic pentameters, then, and I no. I think because the more peop, the more my teachers wanted me to be, yeah. the more the less inclined. I'm really into it from a mathematic, uh, mathematical perspective. I've just it's never been what made me want to make poems. Yeah. My father was a formalist, and he he would have loved for me to write, you know, rhyming poetry. Oh, he would have loved that limericks. I mean, would have killed for it. <laughs> there you know? once was a man from Nantucket. I mean, yeah, he loved a he loved a pun, a limerick, and a rhyme. And like, I I don't know, that's just not what's fun for me personally. Well, well give us another one of these. Uh, yeah, po- poetry a, jewels. I'll give you a. Um, this is a new one. I thought I might. I've never read this aloud, so if I screw oh, it up. Oh, all right. Uh, first oh, okay. here on the Sparkle City oh, well, Sessions podcast. I just thought, you know, I've never read another, this. Another so. Steely Dan reference. Um, God, I hope not, oh, sure. that, where I don't know what I'm talking about. Kill me if I, oh, um, sue me if I play it wrong. Uh, <laughs> right. So I, um, that is, oh, I, I wasn't catching up on what you were saying. Can't um, do too many. We'll have to pay for that if I do more than 10 seconds of it. So I had to stop pretty. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh, let's It was see. barely recognizable. <laughs> oh, I, okay. Maybe we'll do. No. Okay, See, sorry. We, we'll have to. We are. Careful. <laughs> okay, I think I can do. Let's do this. Um, now, what's the name of this poem? So, okay, let me ask you a let me ask you a question. All right. Would you prefer a poem about a bounced check <laughs> or a poem about a mechanical bed? I think you should do both of them. Uh, yeah, I mean, okay. both intrigue me. Uh, uh, bounce checks. I, I've I've had one, um, one or two in in my okay. checking days. Okay, so I'll start with the one about the mechanical beds. Um, I did too. This, that's what that was about. Um, 
so again, I'm gonna I'm gonna probably butcher the pronunciation of this French town, but anyway. So this, let me make sure I have it right. Okay, yeah. This is a poem. I mean, this is, and now that I'm reading it out loud, I'm like, this is a stupid title. Anyway, it's called it's called Happiness. Um, at the Airbnb in Cochrane, our king beds actually two mechanical singles pushed together. With remote controls, we govern how high to raise his feet, my arms, entire bodies butt down in plush porcelain teacups. Sure, we have sex, but mostly we giggle or at the cafe accidentally order a half dozen espressos, return to the apartment frizzy frizzy. First grade, my best friend's dad carried his pistol inside the guest bathroom, never left. I'm ashamed to admit that most of elementary school, I wondered, whenever witnessing the mom standing at her own kitchen counter, slathering biscuits in I can't believe it's not butter, what she'd done wrong. Sometimes, mid-terror, his eyes wide open, my husband screams for his flashlight, knocking one fist against the mid-century bedside table his father built for us, just shaking it. Where's the gear? Where's the fire? Who lost the fucking batteries? Oh, I didn't even ask if I could swear on here. We'll bleep it out. Okay, bleep it out. I'm nope. so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no, we won't. Who lost the effing batteries? No, um, no, 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 no. Don't, okay, sorry, don't sorry, do. sorry. It is not entirely a mistake to believe him awake. Part of his body lives inside a city I've never explored forever. My favorite poet studied classical piano at university. She hated the stage, opted instead to perform for the campus swim team. I like to imagine a pool heated and filled with salt where sometimes my husband can every bit of him just float, clothed only in the single pair of frond pattern underpants he loves, flicking the green elastic waistband both thumbed. It makes a snappy snappy sound like two ducks who wake inside each other's oily feathers wanting something fun for breakfast like maybe spiraling ropes of black licorice you know what that you you, the the writing that you do it reminds me of the guy who wrote a christmas story oh yeah yeah that's cool it does Uh, i can't remember the name of the guy who wrote that um i can't either but this will be fun to look up But, but he's very introspective like that where he where he gives you the nuances of what he's doing and feeling at the time. Yeah, you ever notice that? Well, now I'm going to go and look. Um, And and then I'll just finish with the bounce check poem. Is that cool? Yeah. um, It's pretty... And you can cuss. Uh, I'm so sorry. I didn't even think about that before. Uh, Don't don't Um, ever. You're doing art. Art art should never be censored. Okay, I'm so sorry. Before you start worrying, have a listen to uh, Cool Dewey. Uh, on the, yeah. uh, a couple of podcasts ago. Okay, okay, got it, got <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. This is what happens when you're raised in Spartanburg. You feel very self-conscious about swearing. Um, but I, this is about, like, apparently, you know, years and years ago, I bounced a check to Whole Foods, and my student had borrowed one of my books, and apparently I'd used the bank notice that I bounced the check as a bookmark. And, <laughs> and anyway, that's the whole. Um, okay. When Finn returns my copy of Mark Doty's Fire to Fire, she announces. That's the the title. Sure. Your bookmark is a letter from the bank about a check you bounced to Whole Foods, June 2009. Finn is 16 and has never cut her hair, wrapping it instead like coastal Maine traffic dead summer around her head. Class first day, she raised her hand all polite before asking, 
Your reading voice is so boring. Do you make it that way on purpose? Artichokes for grilling, frozen Dover sole, maybe an Italian bottle of Vermentino for taking to a woman's apartment, first date. I hope to God I enjoyed whatever I bought with the money I didn't have. A few years from now, Finn will attend one of those colleges where you pay your way building chests of drawers or metal smithing or growing root vegetables with a crew. I'll quit teaching, return to my apron and some fancy joint known for squid ink pasta, funky ciders, where a grumpy cuss named Howard lunches each Thursday, accuses me of skimping on his martinis vermouth, demands I turn Spotify to Vampire Weekend because the daughter he hasn't seen since Easter sometimes follows their tour. Howard met his dead wife 48 years ago in a Jersey Community College algebra class. People always assume its nights are hard, he says. But for me, it's the sunlight that winds on forever. It's filling our car with gas while imagining her. Passenger side, scrawling Kelly Ripa in nine spaces of a crossword. I'm not mad at the years I spent yarning lies. Sometimes they almost saved us. Take the week I pretended a woman loved me. Bought this $6 fake ring from Old Navy wore it. I imagined she delivered tiger lilies every Wednesday. Clockwork, but not boring. We paid our rent on time and could afford the latest Maryland hacker collection, even in hardback. You should have heard us, rhyming gratitude and rude, marrying pink with kitchen sink. You should have felt this thing she did by touching the inside of one calf, how it turned my heart into an almost sold-out rodeo. Very nice. Thank you very much. Lady. I, ne- I never read those aloud, so thank you for allowing me. Oh well, no, thank the you. The opportunity. Th- th- thank you for being here. We've had we've had a very good time having you on the podcast. It's been today. a real pleasure and great to have uh, something a little oh. bit different as well. Oh, I've had so much please, fun. Please, please uh, tell us when the books are going to come out and yeah, give everybody yeah. your name again so they know what books to go and buy. Yeah, uh, that's, that's so buying. nice. That's so nice. Um, my husband is learning to draw. Comes out February 9th. It's a chat book, so it's a smallish yep. book. And then um, everyone I've danced with is dead. Um, comes out March 15th and my name is Mamie Morgan and thank you all so Mamie much Mamie Morgan for having me uh, ladies and gentlemen you've been listening to Sparkle City Sessions here live at the New Way Lounge uh, downtown Spartanburg uh, South Carolina brought to you by the Hub City Music Society I am Mark Rocco Dawson and this is Paul Topless and you are Mamie Morgan and we've had a fine time here today we'll catch you on the flip-flop see you later see you later oh